0: Let's get into the message. We're going to take a different direction. Uh, I want to bring you a Bible message about Peter. We're going to pick on Peter a little bit this morning. Uh, But we can learn a lot in Peter. I see a lot of myself when I was first saved, immature, as as we get into this. Um, Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And we're going to read several verses. And then we'll just uh, pray the Lord will give liberty and hopefully help us as we work through this. Uh, message that he's given me Uh, i'm gonna have a word of prayer we need to pray and then uh, we'll get into the message amen let's pray father we love you oh my we love you father thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here thank you for brother uh pastor stewart and brother wood as they've allowed me to come and share my heart god share what you've called me to do my wife and i and i appreciate them lord thank you for what you're doing i ask your blessing on this message i pray the spirit of god would work in each and every heart i don't know the needs you do God, I just want to exalt Christ, my Savior, and Lord, preach a Bible message to help them, to encourage them, even myself and my wife. Lord, please bless. Meet with us. We need you, and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So in Luke chapter 22, uh, we have the account where uh, Peter, uh, uh, Jesus prays for Peter because he is, Satan's going to desire to have him to sift him as wheat. Uh, and then we find also where Peter denied the Lord. And there's a lot of things that lead up to that point. And I want to say this, it's never beneath us that we would not deny the Lord. And we'll see that as we get through the message. Often we get going in our Christian walk in our life and we, we think that we're, we're okay. And really, we don't even know the deceptions of our hearts. Our hearts deceive us in many ways. And every one of us in here would probably raise their hand and say, I would never deny the Lord. But if we were ever put in a situation, I mean, if somebody came in here with a gun, that'd be awful. Said, you need to recant Christ. I don't know what would happen. I would hope that I would stand strong, take a bullet for my Savior. So let me, let's read some scriptures. We'll get into the message. In, in Luke chapter 22 and verse 31, and, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold. That means stop and take a serious look. Simon, Simon, behold. Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. That's an agriculture term. if you understand anything about farming they, they they would they would get rid of the chaff from the wheat, keep the wheat they would bounce it up and down and or, or they would have it in houses in, in a, in a, in a uh, we call it an oats house in, in New York they have oat, a barn and full of oats and they would open it up they would it would blow the chaff out of there they would separate it. Satan wanted to destroy Peter. He wanted to separate him and Jesus is trying to get his attention and say Simon, Simon, behold. Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. He says, but I. Boy, I'm thankful for our Lord and Savior. He said, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He said, when thou art turned back again. Peter was already saved. He would go back in the Gospels. He said, whom do you say that I am? He said, that I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He knew who he was. Verse 33, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Jesus is speaking, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Peter, uh, Jesus was telling him, you're going to deny me three times. Peter wasn't paying attention. Look with me in verse 54. We'll read down to 62 and we'll get into the message. Then then took they him, Jesus, and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. Peter was sitting with the enemy of Christ. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, this man was also with him. And he denied him saying, woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, thou art also of them. And Peter said, man, I am not. And about the space of an hour after another confidently affirmed saying of a truth, this fellow also was with him for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I know, I know not. What thou sayest, and immediately, while he yet spanked the cock crew, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, "Thou shalt deny me thrice." And Peter went out and wept bitterly. You know what's amazing about this passage? Judas, Judas went away and hung himself, never repented. Peter went away though, and he had a repentant heart towards the Lord. The title of the message is, A Great Fall and a Great Recovery. And boy, we see how Jesus used Peter after he went out and wept bitterly. Let me read some little introduction to you. We see that Simon Peter was a fisherman by trade. One day Jesus uh, he, came, he was casting his nets, and the Lord came by, and Jesus walked and told Peter, drop your nets. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Listen, amazing, Brother Wood, you guys went downtown last, uh, yesterday yesterday. You guys were out fishing for men, handing out gospel tracts, trying to reach people with the gospel. Praise the Lord. But we see that in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. In Matthew 16, 16 through 18, Jesus changes Simon's name to Peter. Simon represents the old man, the unregenerate man. Peter represents the new man in Christ. I'm thankful my favorite verse, I quoted it on the video, that I am a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. The Lord did that in my heart, changing me every day. It's amazing. Peter was one of the 12 disciples and was greatly used by Jesus. He walked on water, witnessed many miracles from Jesus, the feeding of the 5,000, healing the blind, cleansing the leper, caused the lame to walk and raise the dead. Jesus witnessed it all. Isn't that amazing? Then we see a careful study of Peter's life where we'll find that he was immature in many ways. Three and a half years he learned under Jesus. I was quite immature in my, in my walk, at growing, and, and the Lord matures me as we go. It's a, it's a process. But we see that in Peter's life that he was immature. He spoke out of turn, and he was on the Mount Transfiguration. Lord, let's build three tabernacles. Not only that, he rebuked Jesus. You're not going to go die. And he said, get behind me, Satan. We see that Peter was immature, and he was always, always wanting preeminence. You ever notice that? He always referred to Peter. Peter was pretty close to him. You can get pretty comfortable when you get close to the Savior, and you can let your guard down. We'll see that as we get into this message. And he said, and he spoke out of turn, it says, and he would argue with Jesus about him being crucified. And then he said, and about him not being offended or denying him. And we see that in our, pastor, in, our, in our passage. But it says, Peter's immaturity and walk with the Lord will bring him to a spiritual collapse and cause him to deny the Lord. But Peter repented and was broken over the fact that he had denied the Lord. And you know what? Peter was never the same after that. That's where we see the great recovery. We'll see that at the end of the message. Point number one, we see this. Peter's self-confidence. Peter's self-confidence. If you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, I want to read a verse, a couple verses to you. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31 through 35. He then said, Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. He was talking about his death. Jesus was telling him. He said, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, though all men should be offended because of thee, excuse me, yet will I never be offended. And then he says in verse, uh, Jesus speaks in verse 34, Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock curl, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Not only Peter was the only one that said he wouldn't deny him, all the disciples said they wouldn't do it. Peter was confronted with it. I wonder if the other disciples were confronted with it if they would have done the same thing. Listen, that's why it's not beneath you and I that we would not deny the Lord. We find three things that, that uh, Peter. We find that Peter was overconfident in himself, and he got to the place where he was relying on his own strength and power. He was not relying on the Lord's strength and power. Peter told the Lord three things. He said, I will never be offended. He said, I will die with thee, and I will not deny thee. I believe Peter had pride in his heart. Oh, my Christian brother and sister, if we're not careful, pride will enter in our hearts. We'll say the same thing. Lord, I won't deny thee. I won't be offended. Listen, when I was a young Christian, I was a little offended. I was scared going to the door. I was, a, I was nervous and scared to tell people about Jesus because I didn't know what was going to happen. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Paul was never ashamed. But Peter said three things. I would never be offended and I will die with thee. He said, I will not deny thee. What is pride? Pride 16, Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit of fall. We see that with Peter pride is somebody who has an lifted elevated spirit, somebody who thinks that they're better than somebody else. I believe Peter because he walked so close with Jesus, he thought he was somebody. He was overconfident in himself, and if you and I are not careful, we'll have that same spirit. We'll be overconfident in ourselves and think that we're okay, not realize that if we don't if we're not careful and trust in the Lord that our confidence could cause us to fall. The same thing is a haughty spirit, somebody who has an opinion of oneself. And then we talk about the fall where it overthrows and stumbles. Let me give you a couple verses. 1 Corinthians 10:12 it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh take heed, lest he fall. Let's not think of ourselves more highly than we do because we will fall as Peter did. When we get overconfident in ourselves, we will fall. Galatians 6, 3, it says, For if man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Peter deceived himself. He thought he was somebody. And when he was confronted with the fact of denying the Lord, he did it. He denied him. But I'm thankful, though, that even though Peter did deny the Lord, uh, he did not do it in a whole because we see the great recovery coming in the end. He did it one time. Listen, I want to say something. Listen, Jesus can still use us even if we fall into sin. Our, Our walk with the Lord is never over. We sin every day. That's why it's important that we have a repentant heart and that we walk with the Lord so that, listen, we keep that short account of sin. Maybe you're in sin today. Get rid of it. Jesus can still use you. Don't let the devil defeat you and say, ah, you fell into this sin, whatever it may be, that you can't be used. Peter was used greatly after this. And we'll see that as we get into our text. 1 Peter 5, 6. You look at 1 Peter and 2 Peter. He said, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Peter had to learn that. When you look at Peter's life and you come to First and Second Peter, man, he gives a lot of truths for the Christian, practical truths, adding virtue to your faith and knowledge and brotherly kindness. I believe Peter, he learned all this. And by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he wrote it in there, First, Second Peter. So it's important. What's a good, a humble. Two things a Christian needs. He needs to stay humble and he needs to have the fear of the Lord. The Bible says honor, riches, and glory will be added unto him. I'm talking about having fat pockets. I'm talking about the riches of the Lord, spiritual blessings, that increase you in your faith and growth. Not only that, listen, I really sincerely believe in my heart, and we see this in Mark 14, uh, 31. I really sincerely believe that Peter thought in his heart that he would never deny the Lord. Let me read this verse to you. But he, Peter spanked the more vehemently, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. So even Peter said he wouldn't deny him. But even the disciples, that word vehemently, I looked that up. Boy, it's an interesting word, Brother Wood. It means with great force and violence, urgently or forcibly or with great zeal and passion. Peter sincerely believed in his heart that he would not deny the Lord. He wasn't paying attention that Satan was going to desire to have him to sift him as wheat. He got self-confident as in his walk. And next thing you know, he's warned himself of the enemy and he ends up denying the Lord. But I believe deep down in his heart, Lord, I'm going to die with you. I will not deny you. Listen, if we're not too careful, that self-confidence will enter into our hearts and we'll be the same thing. It'll happen to us. Here's what I want to give you. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord has showed me some deepest things in my heart that I realize that, that I didn't know when we we're in there, that I had to get out of there, that I had to get rid of. Our hearts will deceive us. Listen, the devil wants more than anything to, for you to think that you've got it made as a Christian, you, you, you know, you're holier than thou, and you're on your great walk. Brother Adam preached a great message this morning about the nature of Adam. Every one of us deal with the same things, just a different form and fashion. We're fallen people. And when we get overconfident and think that we have arrived, we're in a bad situation. We need to be careful. Our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. We do not need self-confidence. We need Christ's confidence. We don't need self-confidence. We need Christ's confidence. We should never never be too confident in ourselves because it will cause us to fall sooner or later. We need the Lord's confidence. How do we get the Lord's confidence? By prayer. How do we get Christ's confidence? By submitting, by being obedient to the Lord. Do you want to build confidence in the Lord? Walk with Him. Talk with Him. You know, your prayer life, the greatest advice Pastor Gary Gwynn gave it to me in prayer class. He said, Have a prayer life. Develop your life around prayer. We make, what do we make? Appointments to get our hair done and nails done and doctors and teeth. We make those, all that stuff. Plan your life around prayer. Listen, you want to build Christ's confidence? Plan your life around prayer and stick to it. It's amazing. It'll change your life. Do you realize the average Christian only prays maybe five minutes a day? Or I've even heard worse than that. I'll give the benefit of the doubt, five minutes a day. How can you even have Christ's confidence if you only pray five minutes a day? What if I only talked to my wife for five minutes a day? We wouldn't have much of a relationship, would we? Listen, we need to pray. We need to be obedient. How about meditation upon the Word of God? That will help us get rid of our confidence. And actually, the Word of God is great. And it shows us who we really are and what we need to work on. I'm thankful for God's Word. Not only that, walking with our Savior. Here's a quote for you. I don't know who wrote it. Self-confidence has limited potential. Christ's confidence has unlimited possibilities. We see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 4 and 5. I'll read you the verse. In such trust we have we through Christ to God word. In such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency ...is of God. That's why our confidence needs to be in the Lord and not ourselves. Because we're in a dangerous place when we get alone. And here's point number two. I believe that Peter's self-confidence led him to Peter's complacency. Let me give you a definition. Complacency is being unaware of actual dangers or deficiencies. It's falling short. Complacency shows up as a feeling of security that leads to a lack of awareness... Of our surroundings, so let me give you that, let me give you an illustration. Peter was unaware of the spiritual dangers around him. He had this security and this confidence when he was with Christ that Satan wouldn't be able to touch him and he was going to be okay. What did he do? He he was unaware of it and he let his guard down. Not only that, he deceived himself because he de- de- denied the Lord. Complacency is a dangerous place for a Christian to get, and a lot of Christians today are complacent. They're on this little walk and and they're just. They're not really living for the Lord. You're complacent. And listen, stop, behold. Take a serious look at what's going on around you because 1 Peter 5.8 said, Be sober, be vigilant, because the adversary our devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking who may devour. We cannot let our guard down. Warren Wiersbe said, This is not a playground. This is a spiritual battle. And many Christians are not taking it serious. Peter didn't take it serious. he come to the place of complacency. Peter was unaware of the danger of Satan coming to destroy him. He became complacent in his walk with the Lord, and he let his guard down. His heart and mind was disengaged when it should have been engaged. Greatest advice from a lost lady when I worked in RVs. She said, man, you have three things when you come to work. I see it in you. Your heart and your mind and your feet come to work every day. I've watched it for the last week. I worked on an RV. Listen, Christian, here's what often a Christian's heart Maybe their feet are active in the work of doing the ministry with Christ. But our hearts are not in it and our mind is not in it because we become complacency. We need to be careful that we don't come to that place. Our hearts, our minds and our hearts and our feet need to be all in when we're serving the Lord. Because the devil, if he can creep in and get any little crack in there, he's going to try to destroy you and sift you as wheat. Too often we get lazy in our minds and we don't meditate upon the scriptures. We don't keep our focus on the Lord when we're in prayer. And the devil creeps right in and what happens? He takes you right out. We cannot do that. We must be careful. Think about a football game. Let me give you a perfect illustration. I don't watch football. I'm not against it. Say that, uh, okay, the, the church on the right side is a red team. Church on the black side is black team. You guys are up 40 to nothing. You guys are winning, hooting, and hollering. I mean, you guys are... Clapping hands and everything else. These guys are over here bummed. Brother Wood's the coach, and he's teaching them and everything else. He's, we can still do it. We can still win. You guys get complacent or unaware of the, of the danger that's fixing to come. And you let your guard down. You think you have the game won. And all of a sudden, here comes the black team, Brother Wood. And they come up, and they're winning. And you can't, you can't gain foot again. They're winning, and they're getting closer to the 40 mark. And Adam kicks a field goal. And you guys get beat by three points. When you come complacent in your Christian walk, you let your guard down as a football team. I I played baseball. We got them beat. We got them whooped. We're done. We've got them. And all of a sudden, they come back and they get us. That's what happens to the enemy. The devil wants you to get complacent in your Christian walk so he can destroy you and let your guard down. The Bible says, take take up the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, gird your loins with truth... And, and and shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and take up that shield of faith. We need to guard for that. Listen, be sober, be vigilant, because if we're not, we're going to get complacent and the devil is going to take us out. That's what he wants more than anything. When we become complacent in our Christian walk, we are unaware of our adversary, the devil. He's a roaring lion. He wants to destroy us. Here's another thing when we become complacent. We take our eyes off the Lord And open ourselves up for the enemy to attack us. Because we let our guard down. He's going to come in. He's going to take us out. Complacency will cause us to follow afar off. What did Peter do? He followed afar off. You see that in verse 54. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest house. And Peter followed afar off. He got complacent in his walk. Listen, God did not call you and I to follow afar off. He said in John chapter 10, He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. And He says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. He said, I know them and they follow me. Listen, let me ask you this little salvation question. Does Jesus know you, and do you know Jesus? If you don't know the shepherd, He wants to save your soul today. I know the voice of the shepherd, and I follow him. I thought about this, Brother Wood, when you your children, when they were a lot younger, they hold your hand, right? They're not following afar off behind you, because the comfort is in your hand. We're in the hands of Jesus in the hand of the Father. He said, "Follow me." He didn't say, "Follow afar off. When we get complacent in our Christian walk, we're following afar off. We're not close to the shepherd. You know what the shepherd does with the sheep when they go through the valley, they get close to the shepherd so that they can feel him on the side. And that sheep calms down so when they walk through that dark valley, they're comforted So that the because sh- the shepherd will be right there and they'll brush against him. It's just like you and I in the hand of Jesus. When we stay close to him, we're comforted. But what happens? We let our guard down. We get comfortable in our... I'm telling you, Greenville, South Carolina, I don't know what any other... There's comfortable Christianity right here in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm telling you, Christians are comfortable here. You've got everything you want at hand's reach. We don't even have to live by faith in Greenville. You can go anywhere get all... you. We don't have to live by faith. We don't even have to trust the Lord. It's amazing. I told the Lord, I want to live by faith. I don't want to live in comfort. God did not call you and I to be comfortable. And I'll tell you this: My wife's got a great little sign that says, "Great things do not come from comfort zones." There is many people that God wants to use, but you won't step out of that comfort zone. You'll stay in your little bubble. It'd be amazing when you get out of that comfort zone, get out of that complacency and let God use you in a great way and work through you. And that's what I'm praying for God to do me in upstate Northern New York. Listen, I'm nobody. I'm saved by the grace of God. Listen, if you knew my past, you'd probably look at me different. I'm telling you, God is amazing. He changed my life. And that's why we're going back to upstate New York to tell them what the gospel can do. God wants to use you and he wants to reach you. He wants to use you to reach the people that are around you. Some of you are too shy to tell people that Jesus loves them. You've got to get out of that comfort zone. Being complacent in your Christian walk. Listen, take up that cross and walk. Let the shepherd guide you. He said, lo, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the world. We cannot get complacent in our walk. Listen, here's another one. Complacency will cause us to be a stumbling block to others. Peter, I I don't know this for a fact, but Peter did deny the Lord and it says that they all forsook Him. You and I, if we get complacent in our Christian walk and we become lazy or we we become complacent and we're we're falling far off, we're going to take some people with us. Because somebody is watching you. Somebody is watching how you serve the Lord. Somebody is watching how you conduct your life every day as a Christian. And I'm telling you, they're they're looking up to you. There's a lady that I know right now. There's a family that I know right now. A lady is carrying the burden of that family. And it is destroying her spiritually. Listen, and if she's not careful, it's going to take her out. If we get complacent, it will cause us to be a stumbling block to other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the last thing that we need to be is a stumbling block. We need to be falling close to the Lord, be right up there next to him, so that others can see that Jesus Christ is real and that he changes lives by the power of the gospel. People need to see that in you. Listen, my parents see it in me. I'm not the same person I used to be. Not even close to it. My heart has changed. He's changed my heart, Brother Wood. He's given me a heart of flesh. He's changed my desires, my passions, everything about me. My music, my demeanor, the way I carry myself. I was a coward. I was a coward. I did not love this lady like I should have until I got born again, Brother Wood. And when the love of God entered into my heart and I said, oh my God, what love. God commendeth his love towards us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That that word commended things. He proved his love for us. The love of God is amazing. And it changed my heart and my love for my wife. And I can love her as a lady that I'm supposed to. As Christ loves the church, love your wives. Listen, if we get complacent, I'm telling you, it'll destroy you. It'll take you out and somebody else. We have to be careful that we don't become a stumbling block. Here's something that I'll give you right now. Complacency will cause a Christian to have no intimacy with Christ. We will slack off in our devotion time, our prayer time, our daily walk with the Lord. And it will cause us not to grow as Christians. If we're not growing, we're what? If you stop feeding the baby milk, what's going to happen? It's going to die. Listen, complacency will cause you and I to be stagnant Christians and not grow in the Lord. We, listen, everybody grows differently. Slow, fast. But listen, if we're not growing, if we're not spending intimacy time with our Savior, we are going to die spiritually. We have to be careful. Complacency will cause you to do that. And if you're here today and you're, you're, you're weak in your devotions and you're weak in your walk with the Lord, listen, draw an eye to Him and He'll draw nigh to you. Say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry that, that, that I'm not being what I should be. Listen, it's easy to get complacent. We can get comfortable and then we just we start falling back. Get close to the shepherd. But you know what's amazing? I'm thankful for a savior. He says, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And he said, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He said, but I have prayed for thee. Christian, can I tell you something? Jesus prays for you and I. He said in John eight thirty four, Jesus makes intercession for us. John chapter 17 and verse nine, he says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world. But for them which thou hast given me for thy for they are thine. Jesus was talking to the Father. If you can get a hold of the truth and understand that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, prays for us. He intercedes for us. Why? And listen, he's getting his prayers answered. Peter failed and denied him, but as a whole he didn't deny. God answered the Father of the Son and he said, "No, Peter, faith, he's not going to he's not going to fail as a whole." We see the great recovery coming here in a minute. Listen, Jesus prays for you and I. Get, get a hold of that next time you're in prayer. God, thank you for praying for me. There's times I go to him and say, Lord, I can't pray. I just I don't know what's going on. I need you to pray for me. And I'm telling you what, Brother Wood, you start thanking the Lord and you start praying and talking to the Lord Jesus. It's almost like his hand is right there and he comes and comforts you. And next thing you know, you're praying. You can't even shut your mouth. You're just talking to the Lord and having a good time. Listen, get a hold of that truth and know that he prays for us. I'll tell you this. Let me, let, let me read this verse to you. 2nd I'm going to read this again. He said, but I have prayed for thee. That's singular. He prayed for Peter, that thy faith fail not when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren. I'm thankful for a Savior that prays for us. I'm thankful for a wife that prays for her husband. Husbands, I hope and pray that your wife is praying for you. Husbands, I hope you're praying for your wives. Listen, my wife, I'll tell her, hey, hon, you're not going to believe it. We, we do Faith Promise. And, and, and I, we support Faith Promise. We've been doing it for a long time. And I get tips. I work for Miracle Hill. And a lot of donors will give us tips, and I'll call her. The other day, I called her. I said, hon, you're not going to believe it. I got $35 worth of tips. And she started crying on the phone. What's wrong, hon? She said, well, I went to the envelope this morning, and I was uh, or uh, this week, and I, I was praying, Lord, we're, we're, we're short $35 in our Faith Promise. And he said, I prayed that you would provide for that. I didn't know she was praying that. And she would pray, Lord, I pray that you would send somebody by to my husband, that he would be able to be a witness and lead somebody to the Lord. Two weeks ago, I got to lead a lady named Margaret to the Lord. I picked up her furniture in her house, and I got to talk to her about Jesus and explain to her about sin and why he died. She bowed her head right there in the living room under conviction. You could see it. And she called upon Jesus and got born again. I told my wife, she said, yeah, I've been praying. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm thankful for a wife that prays for her husband. Especially because we're getting to go upstate New York, there's going to be opposition and troubles and trials that are coming. Let me ask you something. I'm thankful for a pastor that prays. Uh, Brother Adam prays for us. That man right there encouraged me to pray for three missionaries. Every No, five missionaries. And I still today, I'm not tooting, I'm not boasting, but because of that influence in my life, he encouraged me to pray for missionaries. And I've been doing it ever since, lifting them up to the Lord. Let me ask you this. Who are you praying for? Who is on your heart? Listen, are you interceding for your husband or, or for your wife? Because we don't know what's going on out there. I pray that we pray that we don't get complacent, that, that we stay vibrant and fruitful in the Lord, in the service of the work of the Lord. Let me give you four things. And we're going to close. We're going to get closer. I've got to hurry. Let me give you spirit. I, I can't read the verses. I'll give you the references if you're taking notes. Listen, we see Peter's spiritual collapse. So we see his self-confidence. We see that he got complacency or complacent, but then we also see the spiritual collapse. What led up to Peter, uh, to him denying the Lord? Listen to this. Christ warned Peter of his denial. Luke 22 and verse 34. He warned him. He warned him that he was going to deny him. Peter was not listening. He was not paying attention because he got self-confident. Listen, when the Lord speaks to you and I, we need to be listening. Our ears need to be wide open. If we're not... Excuse me, if we're not careful in listening to the Lord, you and I could deny the Lord. It's important that we listen. God gave us two ears and one mouth. What's that mean? We need to do more listening than talking. We need to listen for the Lord. Here's another one. Peter slept in the garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, 40 through 41. Peter was not praying what he should have been praying. He said in, in verse 56, i got to read you this verse. He, he said in 56... Peter was not praying when he should have been. This is what Jesus said. He said, Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And, and Jesus is telling them, you're, you're going to deny me. You're what was the temptation? The temptation was that he denied the Lord. Had Peter, in the, if you read it, they were probably tired. They were exhausted. I mean, sometimes I'm lazy. I'm like, man, I'm so tired. I just want to go to bed and sleep. But I wonder what would have happened if I would have just fought through my flesh and prayed what would have happened if I would have sought the Lord. Peter may not have never denied the Lord because he said, what, couldn't you watch and pray that you enter not into temptation? And verse 56, he said, but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophecies might be fulfilled that all the disciples forsook him and fled. They all were tempted and fled. They all left the Lord Jesus. Peter sat with the servants, Mark chapter 14 and 54, and followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. He sat with the servants. Peter was keeping company with the enemies. Some of you in here are keeping company with the enemies of the world. He said, Have no fruitful works with the, uh, or no, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Listen, we are to go out into the world and tell people about Jesus, but we're not to have fellowship with the enemy. Peter sat down with the enemy. It's a spiritual collapse. It led right up to him. He got self-confident. He got complacent. He, 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 he told the Lord, I'm not going to deny you. And it led him to warming his hands with the enemy. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. Amen. And then you see that Peter, Peter was warming himself by the fire. Peter followed afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. Peter was more worried about the physical things than, than he was the spiritual things. Too often, as we talked about comfortable Christianity, we're too worried about our comforts and the physical things around us, and we're not worried about the spiritual things. Brother Adam talked about it today, that we need to seek and set our affections on things above. Who's that? Jesus Christ. We have to be careful. Our focus is not to be comfortable here. Our focus is to lead people to Jesus Christ, to lift up our Savior and let them know, hey, he loves you, he died for you, and he wants to save your soul. But Peter, he, got, he was worried about the physical things. We come to the last part of the message, the great recovery. Amen? If you're here today and you're in sin, listen, God can still use you. Repent of your sin and God will still use you. We see Peter's great cry. Luke chapter 22 and verse 61 and 62. He said right here, stay with me. He said, he said in 61 and 62, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Let me give you a definition. Peter was showing anguish and grief by crying out. It was in a severe manner. Have you ever cried so hard that your stomach hurts? You can't even speak. You're weeping so hard, your cheeks hurt, and you're just anguished because you wept bitterly. When I got born again, that's how I was. I'm telling you, I would never wept so hard in my life. I could imagine the grief that was on Peter's heart, that he had denied the Lord. And when Jesus looked at him, man, I remember when, when Jesus looked at me when I was lost and a sinner on my way to hell. It broke me when I realized who I was before a holy and a righteous God. I wept bitterly. Peter wept bitterly. It was through the idea of piercing. I could imagine, Brother Wood, that he was wailing so hard, it was almost piercing to the ear. A little girl that screams and is crying, maybe she fell and hurt herself and she's screaming. I could imagine that maybe that was the idea that Peter had. It was through a piercing, it was bitterly. He expressed godly sorrow and brought, uh, but godly sorrow brought with it repentant heart towards God. And that's when the great recovery takes place. Peter was never the same after he went out and wept bitterly. He was a changed man. Listen, a great recovery starts with repentance. True repentance will cause a change in your life just like it did in Peter's life. Listen, Jesus used Peter in a great way after he denied him, after he went out and wept bitterly and repented. He can still use use you and I. Listen, we have a God, we have a Savior who is in the restoring business. Listen, if you're here today and you're broken over sin or something that, that you have done against the Lord and you feel like you can't keep going on for the Lord, you look at what Peter did. Peter went on. He saw 3,000 saved at uh, Pentecost. They were saved and baptized, added to the church. He wrote two books of the Bible. He died a martyr's death. Listen, he reached the Jew and Gentile. He even led the first Gentile to the Lord, Cornelius. You look at how God used You read the book of Acts and see how it was used greatly. Listen, maybe you're here today. He's in the restoring business, but he's also in the regenerating and renewing of the soul. If you're here today and you're not born again and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior... You don't understand the free pardon of sin. Can I tell you that it was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that will wash away man's sin, that we're justified by the blood. Baptistry can't justify you. Good works can't do it. I'm telling you, you need to understand that you're a sinner, that you're lost and condemned because of sin. But there is a wonderful Holy Savior by the name of Jesus Christ who died on the cross, who was beaten and battered and pierced for your sin. Blood was bleeding from His body and He shed it for man's sin. Why? So that he can free him from the penalty of sin, which is death and hell, and so he can free him from the power of sin. I'm thankful that sin has no power over me anymore. I have a choice. Where when I was lost in the world, I woke up every morning looking to sin, whether it was whatever it was. But I'm thankful that I can wake up every morning and by the grace of God, I don't have to stay in sin anymore. Jesus did that for you. And I'm gonna tell you this. You know what else so happened? The devil said, Oh, you gotta get things out of your life. You've got to be perfect and this and that. Can I tell you something? Come to the Lord. He will make you perfect. He just wants you to come to Him with a broken heart, humble before Him, and repent and understand that He died for you. Listen, He will change your life and make you perfect. He's not looking for us to get perfect. When He does it, it's eternity and it's forever. That's the power of the gospel that changed my life. And that's what He wants to do for you. Listen, He's in restoring souls. And here's the message. Here's the challenge. Maybe you're here today and you're being complacent in your Christian walk. Maybe the intimacy that you is, is falling short, your prayer life or whatever it is. Maybe you're overconfident. Maybe you think because you've been saved for such a long time. I had a, heard a pastor say that he's been pastoring 40 years and he said, I deal with the flesh more now than I did when I was a new Christian. Because we get in this walk and we've been saved for a long time and we become complacent or self-confident that we've got it made and we let our guard down and the devil comes in. If that's you today, listen, draw an eye to the Lord, he'll draw an to you. Amen. Listen, give your heart to the Lord, let him work and change you. He wants to do that. Listen, there's a great recovery and Jesus is in the business. Listen, we may get broken over sin, but he wants to restore. Uh, David said, restore the joy of my salvation. Maybe here today you don't have any joy in your salvation. For whatever reason, you're complacent and you're just aimlessly walking. You're not walking with the Lord. Listen, he wants to restore you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, love you. Thank you for your word. I pray, Father, now as you take the message by the Holy Ghost to work in the hearts of my brothers and sisters. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And thank you for this opportunity to share our heart and our burden. Lord, we love you so much, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.